0: Guess what better place to start than the new show, man? Uh, the Early Bath, I believe it's called? Well, like, my whole life is like the Early
1: Bath. I mess it up constantly, so I was just like, fuck it, let's call the show that. <laughs> no, uh, we were just kind of pitching ideas around, and, and you know yourself, like, there's so many football shows out there that it's kind of hard to find a unique name. Like, uh, like down the pub, luckily there wasn't another football show with the same name, so I'm super excited for the project, to be honest. Yeah, I'm mostly going to miss down the pub because it, it go, it's it gone from my baby to somebody else's baby like I'm also involved in all that kind of stuff but it's uh it's going to be a different kind of vibe but
0: uh I'm, I'm really looking forward to it though so you were talking about the visual aspect that wasn't really something that when we were doing down the pub together that we kind of drifted into obviously when COVID came around Zoom became the number one resource for us I think we started with Zencaster at first which was pretty cool but it just didn't have the same you know what I mean being able to see one another and actually engage and have a conversation eye contact super important I guess switching into the visual aspect of things now like are you nervous about it Uh, and and talk about the staff that are going to be working on the audio visual stuff for you now that you don't have to anymore (laughs) to be honest like everything
1: I ever like some of the episodes of down the pole were embarrassing just because like I'm not a trained engineer and you know you're trying to do everything yourself and you just pick up little bits and pieces but it's it's tough after teaching myself tiny little bits of uh, audio stuff, like I knew I'd never be able to do anything with the visual side of it, so um, that's why we never really got into it. Obviously, with T- Tide League, they've got they've got Peter and Scott that do all the the content stuff, and they're amazing. Like they they like they know their stuff. They make everything look crisp, clean, and um, some of the stuff they come up with is I can't wait for you to see it. It looks great. So it's definitely been, it's definitely different. The thing is with Zoom, like the great thing about it is that like when you're recording we we started on the anchor app and you, you it there's no you're just talking on the phone, right? You don't get to see somebody's reaction like to what they're saying. And the Zoom has like changed, I think, like podcasting. Like Zencaster is starting to do video stuff and all that, but I just found the platform was a little bit dodgy <laughs> in a way. Like it was just it would cut out and all that kind of, and, and like you rarely get that problem with Zoom. And it's just great when you're talking to somebody because that's the connection, right? I mean, like it's the voice is one thing but like when you're seeing somebody and like you, you can like see in their eyes that you've asked a good question or whatever that and you can kind of feed off that a little bit better We're, with Tide League like part like a big part of what they do is the video side of it like it's it's huge so um they've they've done so many great things through video they, they just they did a football thing with Jay Berchelle and Honor Callahan about their love of Celtic and uh, uh, the Habs um which went off the radar it was like it was a great success for them. So the show isn't just a podcast; it's also a YouTube show, if you know what I mean. Whereas, like obviously, with down the pub, we were just more a podcast because, it, unfortunately, like when it's just like us, like us three, it's a uh, you can only do so much with it, right? Where yeah, exactly. So now you've got you've got people who can spend time like poring over this stuff, and as I said like everything looks incredible. Like I'm I'm super pumped for it to get going, to be honest. So the thing that Jay and um, own did was they 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 did a documentary themselves a few years ago where they travelled over to to Celtic uh, to Celtic Park and and they did a trip around Ireland as well and kind of like learned the history of the club and, and all and it's, it's a fascinating documentary and I think that um uh, Tide Lake had own on before and I think it just kind of grew from there um and Tide League put a good bit of investment into it because it was a really professional setup like they had like proper camera dudes in and it was like a a big setup so um and it it turned out fantastic i don't know if if you've watched it. i've watched it myself and it was um it was part of the reason why i want like when i was asked to be part of the toy league project that i kind of wanted it like you know when you see the investment they're willing to put into like great content and to me that's what it's all about looking at like what the stuff they've put together it's 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 an incredible um project and like it's it's gonna be great to be part of um so yeah man it's uh it it just everything just looks cool (laughs) you know what i mean like and and it's it's yeah and i mean like like carlos did some amazing work for for us on down the pole with the the logos and and all that kind of stuff but once again like those guys have full-time people who can do to dedicate stuff we've all got full-time jobs right so it's not um it's not something that we could it's not a project that we can devote all our time to so yeah it's it's uh
0: it's it's gonna be awesome i'm learning everything you went through with this thing man <laughs> like it's no joke it really truly is no joke and you, like you make goals for yourself and you challenge yourself sometimes like i'm done recording this i want to have it finished by this point i want to have it out by this point point. and then life gets in the way and then you still try to find a way to sneak in an hour of editing here or <laughs> you know what i mean and yeah it, it's been really cool to see how and, and I used to do this when I was doing music, like I used to audio engineer. So like, I kind of knew some tricks and stuff, but it was really cool to see how you progressed as well. Like there were times where we would do an episode and you'd have that thing out in a couple hours. And I'd be like, holy shit, Anthony, did you sleep? And you say, no, <laughs> not at all. But it's like, um, now that I'm doing it myself, like I can really appreciate the effort that you put into down the pub, brother. And, you know, I tell you 101 times, I'm, I'm eternally grateful that you brought me on for the ride. But um, you were just talking about the setup um this is the setup the people at home that are listening you know we're just in a zoom chat I'm in my like hallway closet right now Anthony's in his bedroom I believe it is my uh, my office yeah there you go a spare room with a desk (laughs) (laughs) that's what I need to do but my son took that one over is that what is that gonna end up being the baby's room or are you guys looking to move
1: Oh, this is gonna be the baby's room. Yeah, so, no more office. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So um, I'm lucky I have a basement, so I can oh, okay. I, I can I can move uh, my desk downstairs and stuff like that. Um, but the good thing about up here is is that like there's zero noise, and I, I can look out the uh the window and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's definitely gonna be. Uh, it's not gonna be a great place, the house, to uh, record anything
0: once we have two screaming little shits so oh, uh, so that's the whole thing right like this yeah. move to title it, it's a perfect timing for your life like you're able to now shift to a professional setting where other people are taking care of everything and you're in a beautiful brand new studio that's right pretty much on the waterfront like you guys are a couple blocks so, up i believe right so uh actually uh oh,
1: okay they, they, so they they have been recording all this stuff with uh bnv media uh which have that beautiful office outlook in. Over the the harbor and stuff like that, but um, Thai Leagues have just, Toy League has Leagues just moved offices down on um onto Hollow Street, the down Hollow Street, and they've built their own studio. So, oh wow! Okay, yeah, yeah. good for so, them. Good for them. Yeah, so going forward, like everything's gonna be done in house. So I'll miss that view. <laughs> Don't get me like it's and Mark does an incredible job. Like uh, anybody who's looking to start a podcast and has the money um and wants to put like you know eventually i'm sure you'll probably get there but it's just that uh, it, he does a fantastic job man he's really good he's like so chilled and relaxed like you don't even re- you don't even know that he's there when you're like because obviously for me that was kind of like a, the, the first episode that would be recorded was a, a, a little bit kind of tricky for me because like obviously i'm used to just being
0: in a room on my own yeah it's a computer. whole you were not to cut you off you were texting me after the fact and and you know you were honest with me you're like you know I was bricking it a bit Chris and I was like I know you know (laughs) I've been in and out of studios for like probably the better part of a decade of the last decade um and I still get that jitter and that nerve when you walk in because it's overwhelming even when it's at a good time because there's just so much going on and it's nice to have other people dealing with the, the dotting the i's and crossing the t's so you can just go in and be yourself and um, yeah. I cut you off. I'm, I'm sure that no, what no, you're no. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, so it's so like it's 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 kind of different. Where like you know, like now I can like you know I can just pop onto. I've got like another computer in the background. If I want to just find a quick fact, I can do whatever. But in this, like in a studio setting, like there's obviously not as much room because there's like four people, five people sitting in there, and it's kind of weird, like having somebody, like having three people, like staring at you as you're you're talking. You know what I mean? So like that that's that, that part of it is 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 a change and it's been something that i've been trying to get used to like it's uh it's definitely different and there's like lights like they've got the whole camera set up for the lights and stuff like that for the videos and and all that kind of stuff so like i said like mark is incredible and if anybody wants to start a podcast and wants somebody to do the editing for them like he's a genius Uh, i definitely recommend them so
0: awesome man so without giving away too much like what's kind of the concept and the structure of the show like obviously you don't want to spoil it for everybody you want everybody to it's tuesday i think is what you said is the first episode yep yeah so like what's the uh what's kind of like the aura of the show is it going to be the same as down the pub different as down the pub or just kind of a mixture of something new and something old
1: it's it's definitely a a kind of mixture so it's like um obviously with down the pub we concentrate a lot on the cpl because we're in canada and uh obviously we're in a city with a team and and stuff like that. Um this one's gonna be MLS centered. So it's gonna be like we we feel that there's a lot of great MLS shows, but I think that the brand that of a couple of guys getting to chat to the pros and getting their stories and their journeys and all that kind of stuff, like asking questions that fans want to hear like that's basically what the essence of the show is going to be. So um it's 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 gonna be I, I think we're taking parts of down the pub and bringing it across and then Tide League is working air magic and just making it a, a better and um, more polished product I guess. I, oh, better is kind of, eh, well I mean just just more polished um, and I, I think that the MLS is like it's the biggest growing league in the world right now. It's like it's gone off the hook and the fact of like that they're building soccer specific stadiums and all that kind of stuff can, you can tell that the league is going places and To be part of of that and um, getting to talk to the players, who of everybody has a different story, as as you know, like from talking to people, and I just think that um, it's a underappreciated market somewhat, and still in North America, and people don't know the players. Like if if you were to ask somebody like an NBA fan about most of the NBA players, they they know their stories, whereas the guys in the MLS, nobody like although like they're superstars to, to us. A lot of people don't know who they are and it's it's crazy to me that like you know that we don't know the stories about how a guy from Spain or a guy from Peru or whatever ends up in America playing in the MLS and I think it's everything is so it's it's different and it's uh it's fascinating to hear these stories and I'm really hoping that people share and enjoy like what what we're putting out there because as I said it's um
0: it's it's so much fun to do as as you as as you know so I'm stoked for this, man. And, and you're right, like the MLS is still, I think, undervalued and underappreciated. There are some great podcasts and some great shows, but mm-hmm. it almost seems like it's it, it has to be a part of a network like ESPN has to do a podcast, they have to do a show. It feels like Fox has to do a podcast like it, it doesn't seem like these guys are really truly into the MLS. You've come here from Ireland. Uh, when did you move here? How long ago again? Uh, I moved here in
1: January 2010. So, uh, oh geez, 11 yeah, years now. Yeah, 11 years, man. It's uh, wicked. It's incredibly. It's incredible how stuff just goes so quickly. <laughs> that doesn't feel really is. It doesn't feel like it was 11 years ago. Um, it's you know, like when we were moving over. Um, obviously, I'd never lived abroad before. Like, um, and obviously, Sarah had made that sacrifice when she moved to to Ireland. So. Uh, we moved back and the plan was always stay here for five years and then move back to Ireland because Sarah had lived in Ireland for five years and I was just repaying the debt I suppose but it's an incredible city and uh, like I love living here uh, the people are amazing the city itself is just buzzing and it's like it, to be in a city that's grown so quickly it's 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 amazing to, to, to watch it like I mean in the 11 years I've been here the city has changed so much mostly for the good but, uh, you know, every city has its issues. But, I mean, it's it's just fascinating to me, like, to see, like, the growth. Like, you see these big apartment buildings going up everywhere and big buildings going downtown. Like, it's a city that's on the up. And it's, uh, it's just a great buzz around the place, you know? And it's uh, – and you don't always get that in – like, Ireland had that buzz in the uh, – the late 90s early 2000s during the celtic tiger there was that buzz about the place that there was something happening that there was money coming in and like you know that we were not just this small city on the edge of europe anymore we were kind of buzzing and we're getting somewhere and halifax has that same feel about right now and it's uh it's great to be living amongst that and just uh seeing how
0: the city's just taken off and yeah man 11 years fucking hell (laughs) <laughs> you said it though. Time flies, and it's it's gonna get worse for you once once the uh, the babies come around. How far? How far oh, God. along God. now? So
1: she's due on June the
0: fifth. So wow. half over half. Yeah, man. Oh, my oh that's Ooh. exciting. Names like I, because because I know you guys probably aren't trying to like look too too far ahead, but like names ideas like have you been looking at furniture you just kind of living in the moment so it's
1: kind of hard to to live in the moment when you've got twins on the way so uh we've been kind of we've been kind of planning like we've we're like we're trying to get like bits and pieces and all that kind of stuff it's uh it's (laughs) it's kind of tough We, we have names picked and stuff like that so like that was one of the first things that we did when we found out we're just like okay like these these like we didn't want to argue over names so we just kind of worked it out um but yeah, it's it's kind of like stuff's come together. Like we've got like toys and shit like that. And it just, it's starting to feel, you know, like every day it's just like, I'm amazed at parts of it. Other parts, I'm shit scared. And then other parts, I'm just like super, super excited for it to happen too, right? So, um, and Sarah has been a trooper through it all, man. Like it's like, obviously we're a little bit older and having kids when you're a little bit older, there's a lot of risks um involved in it. And uh, super, Sarah's been like uh super duper champ through it all because it's um like we, we went through like a ivf um and it's it's a tough process there's a lot of uh, prodding and poking done <laughs> so uh it's um like we we're so lucky that sarah's job uh her benefits because it's an expensive process too her benefits covered everything so she works for starbucks and they've been incredible um like we wouldn't this wouldn't be happening if it wasn't for starbucks so um just make sure you keep drinking that coffee because uh (laughs) people (laughs) it's it's helping sarah's benefits so (laughs) yeah the twins brought to you by Yeah, exactly yeah yeah
0: i have to to get the plug in there but yeah like like, it's a beautiful thing though yeah sorry continue
1: oh it's just i was just gonna say like i mean like the uh i ivf has kind of a weird stigma about it that people kind of have this thing that there's something wrong with you if you can't have kids and all that kind of stuff and it's just and i, I hate using the word journey because it's so cliched but it's been it's been a journey through this whole thing of like uh like from the first day walking in and kind of being told by a gynecologist that you know that we're because because of, of our age there's a high chance of this going wrong that going wrong and like sitting down and having like serious conversations about whether it's something that we we should do and then persevering through it all and the people at the the clinic downtown the A- A- ART uh, AART clinic downtown in uh just off spring garden um have been amazing like they are the greatest people and there's nothing to be ashamed of if if you're having issues like I mean it's like it happens to everybody like with us it was just unexplained there was no rhyme or reason why we weren't able to have kids it was just something just wasn't clicking and like this 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 has helped us and it's uh it's 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 crazy that you know I I feel bad that we waited this long I feel like I wish we could have done this (laughs) five ten years ago but you know it, it is what it is and uh we're just so happy and so Thankful for the guys and down there that, that like they're taking care of Sarah so well that um I'd highly recommend anybody if you're thinking about doing IVF to to give them a go,
0: and that's just it I think you guys have been so open about this and have shared it and I mean Sarah has shared it a, a brewing a baby I think is what it is yeah. on Instagram I'll I'll share it in the description yeah. so yeah. can, thank you go to it but <laughs> um you know the fact that she's been so open and honest about her journey you use the word it, it, it's cliche but it's really not because these are things that you know again cliche changes your life and the fact that she's she's open about it and and you shared with me and carlos behind the scenes before you guys were more public with things and and you know i think you guys may have inspired some even if it's just one person to do this to have the joy of of parenthood the joy of pregnancy the joy of everything it's just such a it's an adventure it's a complete adventure
1: and sarah's instagram thing like like i think that was more of a, a catharsis thing for her that like she can help help her through it all too like to kind of like express her feelings and all that kind of stuff through through that like because obviously like you you talk and all that kind of stuff but i can't understand what's happening with sarah's body like it's impossible so and it's it's little things like that that does help people through like i mean like the, i know it helps sarah it's fun just watching her go through that journey um it, like it really helps sarah so sarah just wants to share it along you know you just you're just passing along what somebody else has done for you and it's uh it, it, it's incredible like I mean that um, as you said that even if it helps one person through it all it's worth it right and it's as I said it's a good way for Sarah to kind of like just let out her feelings a little bit about what, what's what's gone through and uh, you know as I said like it's there's, there's there's setbacks through the way and it's 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 an incredible thing and the, the fact that there was talk in the states and stuff like that, them like people trying to ban IVF and all that kind of stuff it's like it's easy for other people who don't have the issues to to pour cold water on it and all that kind of stuff it's it's tough when you're trying to have kids and you can't and this is a way for you to have that dream come true and there's like it's 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 incredible um so yeah i can't speak highly enough of the the process and stuff for like that so
0: that's the beauty of it man like you guys are about to bring two beautiful children into this world and 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 you're gonna do it together and, and you know you guys know, you know some of my situation and you, there's challenges every way and everybody's challenge is different and you guys have taken it head on and it's beautiful. So I commend, commend you guys completely and, and appreciate you guys sharing it. Cause like I said, I know people who I've spoken to, I've, I've shared a couple of stories, a couple of posts here and there, or mom has mom, probably more than me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and, you know, friends of mine who are in a similar situation to you guys who are just like, it's really cool to read this, you know, this is inspired blah, blah, blah. So expect to hear some hopeful um stories in the next couple of months you know i'm sure sarah will hear the stories as well of people that you guys have inspired but yeah, yeah we hope so
1: and like that's the thing man it's like um if anybody has any questions about the process or anything like, that, and, like it's just amazing how many people like will like reach out to you and just like you know like i know what you guys are going through like you know don't worry if you have any questions you can ask and there's just so much like i mean like sarah like there's after you they uh put the uh the eggs in and stuff without like the embryos in like there's two months of like her just getting an injection every Unlucky looking for her it's me that has to do it and it's it, it was awful i felt so bad for her like i mean like towards the end like her body just looked like a pin cushion because you have to do it in the same two spots towards the end like it was just like I could see that she just wanted to cry because she was fucking sick of it. So I'm internally grateful for what she put herself through because like having me standing over you with a fucking needle must be the scariest thing in the world. So uh,
0: (laughs) fair fair play to her for doing that, to be honest. (laughs) Real love, man. You know, struggles come in many forms and so does love and that's love. So yeah, it's wonderful, brother. So you, you moved over here about a decade ago. Yep. You were absolutely mad about football. That's what brought us together. We're both Wanderers fans, but it was through the social medias, actually, the just people chatting us on each other's walls, forums, posts here and there. Just made this connection, and I ended up on down the pub and ended up being a member of the team, and it was just the best year because it was definitely a year. I just kind of did a little bit of a scale back to see how long this has been. 112 total episodes, brother. Fucking hell. That's crazy. And 112. I, I jesus christ yeah i think that when we
1: uh like and to be honest i mean it's a credit to to you and to carlos that we got that many done because you know it's as i said to you like like we've all got lives and um taking time out of that to come on just a a podcast and not get paid for it
0: so it's uh and i mean god knows the curveballs i threw at you guys man (laughs) (laughs) but that's it like we all have lives and yeah when you asked me to edit nathan's show for you because you couldn't do it and like just that even little element of stress. And I'm like, I remember I was sitting in the car cause I, I edited the whole thing in the car and I'm on the laptop and I remember the whole time thinking to myself, fuck, I'm gonna miss Anthony. This is not easy. I'm gonna miss Anthony. So <laughs> but um, like what inspired your love for football? Obviously you grew up in Ireland. So it's a country that on the international stage hasn't exactly peaked, but when you go there the country literally lives and breathes the sport. So I guess who and what were your early influences? My, my dad first of all like my dad is like a, a huge
1: football fan so uh when i was a kid like uh he had me at the back garden just kind of kicking a ball around and, and all kind of stuff and then through school the friends of mine uh like I, I was like probably when i started playing football like for a team i was probably like seven or so it's just like one of the local teams when the one the, the 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 lads from school played on the local team and I joined as well. And then from there, I just uh, lived and breathed it. Like, I mean, like, like at home, like like during the summer when we were on, on school holidays, like every day was just playing football. Like you're up, like there was a, a big field right beside where I grew up and we'd be up there like playing five of sides or just like playing like three or four guys just kicking the ball around. And it's like, that was it. Like, I mean, like I would train on a Tuesday and a Thursday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'd be playing with the lads and Sunday you'd have a match. So it was just, always around you and it, it's Ireland just is just football crazy and um I said like my dad like uh like was football is football mad and he got me like unfortunately he made me a Tottenham fan but I remember like it be like rain sleet or snow that man was on the sidelines watching me play football like it was absolutely crazy like and it was his way of uh de-stressing from his week of work and when you're a kid like you're an asshole and I didn't appreciate it as much as I should have because I was just like Oh god, it's so embarrassing my dad's up here. Like, because some of the lads, like their parents weren't watching the football, they just went up to watch football. And I was like, Oh, so embarrassing my dad's here. Because da, 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 da. you're you're an asshole when you're a kid, right? And now looking back, it's like like fucking hell. Like, I mean, like, it's pissing rain on a Sunday, and my dad's up there, like watching me kick a ball around. You know what I mean? It's incredible. And like I I, I never fully appreciated it. Um, and you look back and you 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 feel like a dickhead but you know it was his way of escaping so he'd come over watch the game and then he'd go for a, a point afterwards with my uncle or whatever and they just talk about football and stuff like that so it was definitely my dad was the inspiration for for my love of football and uh, even now like when we go home like uh we'll go down to the local and have a point or two watching the game and stuff for like that and it's just great hearing his insight into it all he just he's a very like because he like like my dad's like 75 but like uh, he obviously grew up in a different time uh, when footballers weren't as pampered as what they are today. So it's always great to hear his his outlook on <laughs> some I of the
0: get, players these days. <laughs> I get that living with my grandfather with the baseball players, like, oh, why is this guy getting paid thirty million to hit two fifty? Like, <laughs> like, in my like, it just yeah, it's kind of cool, like, because you do get that blast from the past in a weird way, a perspective, like all this technology, all the different everything, but they still see the game the same way they saw it back when they were our age. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just fascinating. And and it's awesome that you had that experience with your father. I mean, you know, my mother, um, she was that parent on the sideline screaming. So, I mean, everybody knew my mom and, you know, same thing, you know, when I was younger, I think it was, there was an embarrassment to it. I think towards the end of my career, we, mom kind of became like the 12th man on the field. <laughs> so I think I, I appreciated it more because Missy actually kind of brought success. Like I remember one time my buddy Blake hit a cross in and Adam ends up scoring a header. And Blake turns around and hugs my mom on the sideline. (laughs) That's incredible. But like, you know what I mean? I think that's when I started to appreciate it more. And like, there was another guy on my team who used to have like, uh, just a long, after long days, school, whatever, uh, lights, he would get aneurysms, like, and, and, oh my god, I said aneurysms, um, astigmatisms. Oh, I was like, Headed, Jesus, yeah. you want
1: to get that checked out?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, he would get, like, uh, light headaches and stuff, like it's called astigmatism, so my mom used to give him, like, this little uh, acupuncture massage with her fingers in the back of his head, and this kid's wow. headaches would go away before every game, and Chris was just talking about it actually on her, uh, her Facebook the other day. And it was really cool to see that story because I remember it before every game, again, then I was embarrassed by it. Like, oh, God, I got to go to the other side. Oh, Chris's, Chris's mom giving massages. Duh, 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 duh. But by the time the second year of under 16 came around, the jokes were gone it was an appreciation for who Missy was and how much Missy loved the team. And I'm sure you had teammates and stuff that would recognize your father as that guy. Like the one guy, the one dad that was there, the one father that was there rain, sleet or snow. So it's fad.
1: Oh, it was like I, I said, like, I mean, like, like you're, when you're a kid, you're, you're a jerk, and you just don't appreciate that stuff. And it's when you, you're not playing football anymore. And obviously like you're a dad yourself too. And I'm sure you want to, get out there too when when it's time for your son to uh to play football and you're going to be that dad too so it's it's i always remember like one of my one of my one of my memories uh the team had like a uh like an awards show at the end of the season like for the for the parents like down at the local pub and stuff like that And i always remember my dad i I think i was like i got i I won like player of the year or or something like that i always remember my dad coming in like Half cut after being out drinking with the lads with the fucking trophy. Like, I was up in bed and I'm like shouting out, Ado, come down here. Came down and he had the trophy. And like, he, he was, he was like way more excited than what I was. As I said, like, kids are shits, right? And I was just, it was just uh, it's a very endearing memory of my dad just like fucking being. A football fan and being super proud dad too right and uh, all, it always
0: sticks in my head that one so <laughs> that's super awesome Get down here. <laughs> <laughs> So you said so he, he cursed you with being a spurs fan but you stayed loyal you stayed true um, yeah. I, this was a question i was going to say to the end of the show but i might as well slip it in here now you're daniel levy what the hell do you do to fix this uh, t- to be honest with you it's
1: uh that <laughs> daniel levy is the wrong person to fix it because, <laughs> because and, and, and it's, it's horrible to say but but he's a businessman and, and like football isn't your usual business it's uh like so many people are invested in a football team uh so the your community the fans all that kind of stuff so it's not it doesn't it's not always just about the numbers um and daniel levy is a businessman and that's all that's all he thinks about because he works for enoch and um they're a a a hedge fund that's just trying to make money out of the whole thing right so that's why i think he's the wrong person for the job um obviously i don't want to see my team go bankrupt but at the same time though we have a billionaire owner and he doesn't act like he's a billionaire owner like he's not like man city where they're you know they they need seven fullbacks so they went and buy seven fullbacks right where with tottenham we kind of have to be careful with the money and all that kind of stuff and we're kind of stuck in between a rock and a hard place where like you look at leicester the way that they do their business like they bring in young players they sell them and then they already have somebody else that's going to come in and just take it over whereas with, with tottenham we're kind of like we don't really do it like that um we kind of try and just buy players that we hope will be superstars um, so, yeah, I, I think uh, if I was Daniel Levy and I was like, a t- he claims to be a Tottenham fan, like we need to loosen the poor strings a little bit. Sometimes you've got to speculate to accumulate and like what's been stuck in the Europa League for the next couple of years is not going to bring in the money that they want. And to get into that Champions League thing, like this season is the perfect year for Tottenham to go to there. You know, we've got like Liverpool who are struggling a little bit, like with injuries and, and stuff like that, like Chelsea are off the boil. United kind of have come back a little bit, but they're still, eh, Arsenal aren't doing so well. So, like, this year is a perfect year for us to get into that top four. And we just can't, we just have no conviction, you know, like, like against, like, Mourinho was an awful, and I'll, be, I'll get panned for this by Tottenham fans, but I, he was an awful choice to come in as manager. I don't, like, he's more a, a personality cult than an actually a good manager. As you saw against Liverpool, like, I mean, like, he's so arrogant that he thought it was a good idea to put, to pitch in a kid who's, who's like played like two or three games for us in, in defence against like Mo Salah and stuff and Firmino. Like, it's it's ridiculous when you've got Toby Alderweireld sitting on the bench or you've got Davidson Sanchez who's sitting on the bench. It's just it's just a pure arrogance of the man. And like, it's stuff like that that's going to cost us in the long run. So yeah, I, I, I honestly thought he was the, the wrong choice for us. But hey-ho, we're kind of stuck with him. Um, but it's, it's going to be tough for us to crack that top four with the squad we have. I just think like Harry Kane's out injured now. I'll be surprised, uh, it would be interesting to see who he's going to play up front, like, is it going to be Sonny, or is he going to, like, take a chance on Vinicius who's played pretty well, to be perfectly honest so he was brought in for this very reason, because Harry Kane gets injured in January every year, right, so um, it's going to be interesting to see what he does, but it's just such such a negative like, Mourinho's the wrong choice, I think, too because it's just a negative way he plays football and I think we've got an incredibly talented attacking team and like you never get to see it because we're, all we do is just we'll sit behind the ball and hope to get on a counter attack. And after two or three months, like teams have copped on to what we do and they're just, we're just being found out with time and time again. And it's kind of sad to, to sit and watch it to be perfectly honest. I like at least under Pochettino, we were, we were losing games, but you could still enjoy the game because it was, he had a good brand of football. Like we're not doing so like we're, we're not doing so well on the Mourinho and it's, awful to watch like I actually hate watching Tottenham play right now because it's so fucking boring and like it's you, you think of Tottenham you think of like attacking football and you know like that kind of stuff and great attacking players and all that kind of stuff and all we get to watch now is just dross like hoping to, to like we score a goal and then we just sit back for 70 minutes and just hope hope and hope but because you have got Eric Dyer in defence like it, it, you can't trust that <laughs> because when he played, when he was, but if you look at like when he was at Chelsea, like, I mean, he had John Terry and like players like that. Like, uh, he doesn't have that uh, at Tottenham. So, the same system, the same style isn't going to work unless he brings in, spends big money on like proper defenders because that's the only way that that works. If you have like Eric Dyer who can concentrate for 75 minutes as your defender, like, you can't hold on to one of the leads, <laughs> it's not going to happen. You know, so it, that's where I think we need to, if we want to be a top four or a challenge for titles, like we need to go out and spend money on a proper defense. Like we've spent a good bit of money on Davinson Sanchez, but he's been a bit of a disaster, to be perfectly honest. Like he's he's the same as Eric Dyer. Like you like know, he will get seventy five minutes out of him, and then he'll fuck something up. So,
0: the, I, the parallels are actually funny because it sounds like you you sound like a United supporter from the last few years with Jose. And yeah. you know, instead of Sanchez, it'll be like Eric Bailly or, or Lindelof or something like it's the same thing. Financial investment maybe was there, but it's the wrong type of player. And you can tell that it's not the player that the manager actually signed. And, yeah. and I think that was Jose's biggest problem at United. He never really got his feet into the, the, the decisions. At Chelsea, he told Roman Abramovich who to buy. The system was developed for him twice I think it's this. I, I agree with you. Like Tottenham have the front six should be absolutely incredible, but when you've got Serge and Dyer in the back, who just have these brain dead, it's just it's, saying it's, their names is like giving me fucking nightmares. To be fair, if you're honest with you, like
1: it's <laughs> it's crazy. Like and, and always being Tottenham's problems is that we always were always have a weakness somewhere. Like just never being um, a team where like you just go like they're great in every position and our defense fucking sucks and like nobody's like nobody seems to want to admit to it for some reason like he he's in love with Eric Dyer for god knows why like I mean like it's it's just you're just watching him and you just know like you it's the same with like as, as I said there was Sergio. Aurier like there is the same you know he's gonna do a stupid challenge Davinson Sanchez is the same thing you just never get a full 90 minutes of mental focus from them and it's it's such a a weakness that we'll never crack we'll, we'll never win a league title like it's so funny to think that back in November people were talking about us as being champions like when all that was going on I was just like all right, I've been a Tottenham fan fucking long enough to know that's
0: horse <laughs> and, and I'm giving you the full cosign on that for my listeners. Anthony, Anthony has been sack Jose from literally day one, even when they were in first place. Like, and you, it, it, you see what's missing. And, you know, I even know right now with United, like last week, the week before it was great. I even said to you yesterday, I feel like we just let the title slip. And you told me long time to go, lots of stuff to happen. But I know my club not saying that you're wrong you're probably right and I hope you're right um but you know just knowing my club and getting being used to just this seeing something crumble when things get good for so many times over the last seven eight years now it's like this feels like okay we're about to go on a three or four match winless streak Emirates and it's, it, and it's funny
1: four. like uh, you, you can watch it right I mean like uh, like the Sheffield United thing like th- they shouldn't be losing those games right and they, they did and you can count that as a blip I think Ray Kane was saying the same thing that it's like you, know, you can count that as a blip. But the game yesterday, like they, just looked afraid. It was crazy, and and like I mean, like you're you're playing against an Arsenal team that are missing like their best player, um, haven't been like buying full of confidence themselves, like and like by the end of it, like you were kind of almost hanging on. Yeah. And then you've got a player like Cavani. Like I mean, like you're paying them. I was making. I was watching the game yesterday with Rory from the Man United fan club uh, here in Halifax, and. Like, I was making fun of him. I was like, how much is Cavani making a week? Like, and he missed that chance. <laughs> like, you know, 275 grand a, a week or something like that to miss a goal from, like, two yards out. It's fucking scandalous, to be honest with you. And he's a great player, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, like, that's why you pay these guys the money is to finish those chances. And you, you, you look at, like, all those great United teams. Like, uh, like they, they, they always had, like, a Van Nistelrooy. You know what I mean? Like, it's... and." United have somewhat missed that I think like like you oh, know everybody goes sure. everybody goes on about like and Rashford is an incredible player but he looks short of confidence like there was a chance yesterday when he just put a a shot and then he started like messing around the box and pass it out and, and it was just like like that's not Marcus Rashford like he's like like but he's obviously like lacking confidence and that's that comes down to Ollie to try and fix that because yeah. that's his job right and I mean like I remember there was a little bit just after a half time where Arsenal were coming into the game and creating chances and like Rory was like screaming like fucking like for Ollie to change something because it wasn't working and that's how I feel when I'm like watching Tottenham like as you said if this, the parallels are incredible or you're just like you're screaming at Mourinho it's like like we're 1-0 up like we're playing fucking Fulham like, you know, we should be going for the win here. And he just sits back and, he, 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 like, clockwork, you can just tell what's going to happen. And I feel like United are still, are like, they've done well in the last few weeks, but they're still missing that little something. You know what I mean? And unfortunately, like, uh, like Pogba is definitely one of those players where, you know, one week he looks world-class and then the next week he just doesn't look like he
0: gives a shit. Not too yeah. but definitely a little fragile kind of like a paper mache yeah. when it dries out it is a <laughs> yeah. little solid but you know if you hit it hard enough it's going to break and I think that's yeah. right now you know there's there's a bit of toothlessness to it and plan b in his head like the players aren't prepared for that you bring on Martial now Rashford's moving even more further to the right which is totally yeah. un- it's just it's frustrating and, and my fear is that Mason Greenwood for all his talent and ability is going to end up like a Rashford or a Martial because you just get played out of position and it's because there's so much lacking in the back. What we were just talking about, there's so much lacking defensively, that they try to make up for it up the field. And, and you know, we don't know Bruno. I don't know where this team is right now. Oh my God! Like I, and like even like just like the comparison again
1: is. I mean like like you look at Harry Maguire and Lindelof yesterday. I hate, I, I hate to be judgmental and like be like, like be an asshole, but they're not Man United quality. Like you know you look at like like Harry Maguire like you guys spend 85 million pounds on him. So you have to play him. You can't not play something when you spend that sort of money on him. But like, would you, he's not a village. He's not a Ferdinand. Like he'll never be that. And that's, that's the level that United need. And that's why you win titles when you've got players like that. You know what I mean? And it's like, uh I just don't see Harry Maguire ever being that good. And Lindelof is like, will never be that good either. Like, I mean, like he's another player that, 75 minutes he's going to be like a great player and then he'll fuck up and it's just it's just it's just a weird time like to look at united like this like you know like everybody knew when ferguson left that there was going to be some painful years because it's a, it's impossible to replace someone like that like you know he's just a force in in football um but i don't think they've done a really good job in like the way that they dealt with it because like putting somebody else in charge of signings rather than the manager a lot of people like this kind of technical director thing. I've never liked that because at the end of the day, it's the manager. It's their job to put the team like to win. And it's up to them to pick the pieces that go in there. And I think that if you have somebody else with their vision of a team, like make them the fucking manager. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just odd. Like I honestly I think that it should always be the manager who's picking the team and then United for the last five, six years is they're just buying like, Party pieces, you know what I mean? Like even like Alexi Sanchez, like you guys didn't need him, but it's like okay, we have to stop Man City from getting them, so let's like pay him three hundred and fifty grand and then not know how to play him. Like it's just, it's not the United way, and it's just odd to see them go through like such a rough patch that it's of their own making. I think it is to be perfectly really honest. Like as the same with Tottenham, everything is everything's like our own fault. Like it's not like the world's conspiring against us. It's just that we just keep fucking things up. It's the same for Celtic up in, in Scotland. Like, I mean, like, you know, like you win nine titles in a row. Like you, you're playing against your biggest rival went bankrupt like not so long ago. And now you're like 30 points behind him in the fucking league. So bizarre.
0: <laughs> that whole Rangers story is crazy. Like Steven oh. Gerrard, I don't know. He doesn't seem like he's a good manager. I, I wonder if it's just like he's but because he's who he is. You know, and, and this is a total different like reference, but like Steve Kerr, he's the head coach of the Golden State Warriors. He's a terrible coach, but he's a player's coach and it brings the best out of the players. And I feel like that's what Steven Gerrard has done at range. He just stands there with his trench coat and his arms crossed half the time. I, he thinks he's Roy Keane or something. <laughs> like, but but I, I think that the thing with Steven Gerrard is, is that like, like last year, Like,
1: Rangers fans were looking to sack him. Like, they wanted him out because they'd fallen behind because they were winning the league and then they had, like, a big crash after the winter break and stuff like that. But, I mean, like, the the fact that... And and he's been luckier than some of the other Rangers managers that he's had a bit of money to spend to bring players in. Like, I mean, the other Rangers managers didn't get it. But I I honestly believe that, like, a lot of the players are like, I don't want to let Steven Gerrard down. and And that plays into it. You know what I mean? It's like... You know, like you look across and you see like one of the best footballers that England's ever produced, like, and you just don't want to let that guy down. And I, I think what what you're saying is is that like the players are doing it for the manager. Being honest, like I mean, like he only really has one team to beat, um. So it's it's not as much pressure as what it is trying to get a team like what Frank Lampard did at Derby or whatever. Like, they're tough jobs, right? I mean, like you're you've got like a whole club banking on you like getting you into the Premier League. Whereas up in Scotland, it's like. Celtic are shit this year, so Stevie G's got a pretty easy job, really, right? And but in fairness, though, like I mean, like he's been killing it in Europe, so he can. I, I think he's a great coach to be perfectly honest with you, and obviously as a Celtic fan, fucking pains me to say that shit, but um, it, he's done an incredible job, and like uh, it's really helped Scottish football because now they're higher in the coefficient, so they've got second Champions League place now that they didn't have, and um yeah he's been a force for for scottish football and they're pretty lucky to have him you
0: ain't even lying and i hate it
1: (laughs) i I fucking trust me that that was the most painful thing i've ever had to
0: fucking say to be honest with you so (laughs) i I guess we'll go from a shitty run club and shitty defensive units to a a club that's been improving with how they've been run and a pretty decent defensive unit and that's the halifax wanderers brother This squad is shaping up. The draft was just on Thursday. We picked up two new players. I apologize for butchering this name. Stefan Kara, Stefan K. I just said special Uh, K is what we're going to call him. Somebody said that we're going to call him SK. First time I can't even pronounce it, man
1: special k I, i'll expect
0: let's go with special k man. yeah I like that. I, special k we'll call it. So we got a, a special k and, and kareem so uh two guys that are needed by the club we know that we need a talisman we need a striker we need someone up front from what i understand special k can put the ball in the net and from what i've been reading kareem so is basically the left-footed version of chris insa he can play in the middle he can play left back and is a attacking force so um, those guys along with the the plethora of signings that we've made so far this winter what's your take on the squad so far brother we lost a couple
1: of important pieces to, to last year obviously losing chris no and uh just announced uh, yesterday that sissoko isn't coming back either and i think that the club has done well to replace them um so i'm actually like i'm actually pretty excited i think that we've we've held on to like Sissoko was one that I thought that like we really need to hang on to. Um but I think what we've brought in in this place looked decent. You know what I mean? So I think uh I'm pretty I'm everybody's improved again in in the offseason. I, I think uh Pacific are looking pretty strong and uh like York have gone gone crazy. I think it's gonna probably take them a few games to click. Um but I think the fact that we held on to the core of the like I think Rampersat was a big one to keep. I'm glad that he's back. Um Like we've had this discussion, but he was, he was my player of the tournament. I I think he was phenomenal. And I think um, whoever we kind of put in beside him, like can have the freedom because they know that he's there picking up the pieces and stuff. So um, that was a big one for me. And and keeping gems and Peter together too, that partnership just grew and grew throughout the early game. So I'm really excited and I'm really, um, I I think the guys uh, like Matt and stuff that have done a great job with who they brought in. Um, so, yeah, man, I'm pretty – as I said, like, I mean, like I was pretty excited for the Island games. So I, I knew that we had a pretty decent squad going into it. Um Going into this year, I think we've got a stronger squad. I think that we've actually put some decent little places in there and, and kept the core that we needed. So, yeah, man, it's going to be an exciting season. I know that Derek's been on a few shows, like, talking about what the possibilities of the season's going to look like, and I'm really hoping that we can get to a game or two because if, if – it was great that the season happened last year but not being able to see the guys live was awful and I feel bad for like uh Sissoko and the fact of like that he'll never get to play the Wander's Ground right you know like he can go and do whatever he wants to and you know he's 25 and it's his career and like he's kind of needs to get into the top echelons like now rather he, he doesn't have much time to kind of like mess around but I think he's probably gonna I, I think he's gonna regret not playing in front of that crowd in, in Halifax
0: obviously I would say that but yeah, yeah man, I, yeah. I think he, you know what he mentioned it in his little good you just brought it like he mentioned in his little goodbye message and I got to talk to Alex De Careless a couple times since he was released by the club and he said the same thing he said Chris if I hadn't known that that evening that rainy evening in October would have been the last time I played at the Wanderers grounds I would have soaked it in more and you know, I, I do feel for the two of those guys and, and especially in Alex's case, because he did experience it. I know in Sosoko's case, you feel bad that he never got to experience it. But, you know, what can you know can you really miss something that you never really truly experienced? You know what I'm saying? Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think in Alex's case specifically and, and even Chris, you know, Chris used to say all the time, I used to love running in front of the wharf because you know, you only did it for a half. And he said, if it was the first half and we had this side, I was happy because I knew I could give my legs to you guys. And Bona used to say the same thing too. Like, uh, awesome. I, used to, I used to hate the first half, starting the first half going towards the kitchen because I was too <laughs> far away from you guys. By the time I was tired, I was in front of you guys. <laughs> like, That's uh, awesome. Yeah, just little memories. And you said it, man. Like, um, Derek, uh, he was on the Todd Vino show. Shout out to Todd. I love that Todd gave the club the platform um jody morgan had him on i think was that wednesday or thursday i duped everybody in the chat everybody got mad at me i know yeah but um, but, but you, um i listened to a little bit of the the todd
1: one there because he yeah. uh, you, you kind of told us about it and todd shows it is incredible it's really good um and i think that he did a great job of asking derek some questions and it's like you know you're trying to take Little tidbits and trying to read between the lines to see like what the fuck is actually going
0: to happen this year. And it, like, well, just... you talked about that before. Like, I'm not going to spill any beans because our lips are sealed, we're not going to talk gossip <laughs> on the show. But, um, we were talking about a player that we had heard rumor was signed to another club, but he was going on loan to another club until June. And I mean, on one hand, that club probably wants that player till the end of their season, but then when I heard what country that player was going to, I did the math in my head and I said, that doesn't make sense. So I'm I'm I have I, I just explained this to mom. She just I I have all my chips in the July basket. I think that they're gonna take as much time as they possibly can to make this so it's a city to city thing, rather than have a bubble. And then, you know Derek broke down. He said like uh the the goal obviously right now is to have market to market with fans summer all. He mentioned half bubble, which is something that I've been talking about just in terms of speculation for the last th- like three four five months. It might be the best way to start the season is just do a bubble and then see how the country looks from there. but he talked about it being a bubble again, and it makes me like kind of fearful because,
1: yeah, like and yeah. it's it's so mentally tough on the players, like any players that we've talked to who are part of that, like I mean, um obviously they're gonna put a positive spin on it because they kind of have to, but I mean, if you read between the lines, like they you know like you're stuck in a hotel room for large portions every day and uh, like the club will do whatever they can to try and alleviate that but I mean we were I was talking to some people yesterday and they were saying like the NBA had their bubble but it was in Disneyland or Disney World or whatever so they actually had shit to do right I mean like it's fucking Disneyland right you're in a Marriott in the in PEI what the fuck is there to do right and it's like it's that mental and I, I don't think people appreciate what the players went through like you know just being stuck in a hotel for a month or two like it that's it's not easy on your on your mental health and stuff like that. and I just think a lot of players don't want to have to do that again. and I wouldn't blame them to be perfectly honest. like it's it's rough you're away from your family, you're away from everybody just to put on a show for us. and what they did was great, but it definitely wasn't the same. Yeah, <laughs> you know and, and, and when I saw towards the end there that PEI were letting in like 50 to 100 people. I was so jealous of the people sitting on the sidelines in their little deck chairs watching it you know and um it just ma- made you miss it even more you know that you wanted to be there and um like i think with the way the nhl is doing it right now like where they ha- kind of have you know like montreal will go out and they'll play edmonton calgary and vancouver kind of because it's in the same kind of area um i don't know i don't know how the league is going to survive without the revenue from fans again because it's new um, they don't have a big tv deal right and like players need to get paid. Staff needs to get
0: paid. Derek needs to get paid. So yeah, it's, um, it's going to be a tricky one. And then you were, you were talking about like reading between the lines. I think that was something that Derek was kind of trying to imply without implying when he was talking to Todd on the show. We're lucky here in Halifax where we have a foundation of fans who let the club keep our with the club still has our money for next year, whether we have tickets or not next year, I'm not asking for my money back. And I'm sure most people aren't. And like Derek said, he was surprised at the amount of people who didn't want a refund. They, you know, they want this to survive that when the world gets back to normal, we want to go watch the Wanderers. But there's clubs in this country that don't have that foundation. And like my fear, and I was just talking to my dad about this at Christmas time. My fear is that the league folds before the club does. And that, you know, what you just said is perfectly right. If they do play another bubble this season, it's almost to pay off creditors and then they might fold and then you might see a new canadian soccer league or something come up in a year or two before the world cup it would be devastating but the 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 positive that i would take from it is the fact that the majority of the markets did good enough that if they had to reset this thing again it would be a success in the right places and i would be devastating and I, you know, I hate that we're, we're almost finishing the show up with this kind of conversation. I know. This is the world we live in. And, and you know, we miss the Wanderers so much. And we see the hard work that Derek, Matt, Steven, and everybody has put into preparing for this season, as if we know what's going to happen. You know, you know, we'll talk about the the next time you're on the show, the, the down the pub experience. I just listened back to that episode with Derek again, back in March before or February or March yeah. before the world just blew up on us again. And the outlook that he had then and how just so much of it couldn't be executed, you know, that those guys are just chomping at the bit. So my faith and my heart are with the Wanderers and I know yours is, and it's going to be a, it's going to be something next year, brother. Yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, um, on a positive note, like, as I said, like the the squad looks incredible um, and, you know, we're really lucky to have, and like, thanks to Derek and, and everybody for putting it together because Like we truly have a Halifax team because the guys like do everything for the city. They they love the city, and we're really lucky to have them play here. So I really hope for their sake more than my own that they actually get to go out and play some games in front of a crowd and get to experience it because for a lot of these guys it's their first professional experience, right? And they need to like the fact that they're getting to they're missing one of the best parts of it playing in front of a packed house. Um, really sucks so yeah so on a positive note it's a great it's a great squad that we've got i think we're going to do really well so um let's hope that the vaccines and all that kind of stuff get out there and you know we get to see some uh football in in, in the wonders
0: ground wonderful brother i think that's the perfect note my mind was too negative that was a positive note to, to leave it <laughs> off on i actually have one more i i got one yeah. more question i have to ask you i have to ask you okay um what do you think about the gorillas finally like kind of doing what they should have been doing from the very jump, like this whole, like mini series type mute, you know what I mean? Like this whole strange times is incredible. Like to me, it's almost took them too long to do this. Like this is what they should have been doing from the very jump. And I know that they tried to do kind of like the mini series visual series thing with the plastic beach album, but it didn't really take off the way it could and should have. Yeah, and you're the only Gorillaz fan I know, and I don't even know how to like <laughs> question. I wrote it down just because it was like something to throw on in the end if it was like too quick of an interview, but I, I almost feel like as, as exciting as this is and they're bringing the Gorillaz to the new generation, it feels like it took too long for them to kind of break this thing down into seasons, into like a mini series, because there's so much animation and life to this, this group, this consortium of minds and music, like just give me your thoughts. Like, is, is it too late for the Gorillaz or is this actually gonna be a revamp for them? Possibly be a little bit too
1: late for them, but the, I, the problem has always been, like, since day one, is that, like, the ideas that they had, the technology was never able to keep up with them. Trying to keep up with technology, and, and the technology is there now that they can produce the the videos and all that kind of stuff right now, but I don't think this ever would have happened had it not been for COVID, because Damon Alburn was, was actually supposed to be touring uh, with some opera or something that he'd written. So, I mean, like like, the, the man is incredibly talented and he's always busy he's always on the go like there's always a project that he's working on so I don't think they've ever had the time to actually sit and do what they've been able to do so I think it was more that they took the COVID times and ran with it and were able to do I think what they probably always wanted to do Um so it's it, it, to be honest with you like I mean it was like one of my favorite parts to uh, that got me through the pandemic was just like, you know, they re- released like a little teaser and say, hey, next episode is coming up and the video will be launched. And then we- I always find with the gorillas is that like you listen to the song for the first time and you're just like, it's, it's kind of weird. And then you, you kind of listen to a second or third time and then you start, it starts to like just grow on you. And it's always been Damon Alburn's gift that like, you know, like it-, it always takes that second or third listen to fully appreciate what he's put together. Um, and then, like I, I I I paid for um the the live show that they did, uh from from London and it fucking blew me away. It was inc- what they did like that, like holograms of Beck and and stuff of like that, and uh the whole show that they put together was incredible and it just helped people get through and it was something positive through all the the darkness of what was going on. But yeah, I honestly think that that project never would have come to fruition had it not been for COVID because Damon Alburn is just too fucking busy all the time and him and um uh, Jamie Hewlett like they, they have, they've had quite a lot of disagreements over the way that it should be because like Damon Alburn's obviously a performer and you can tell that he wants to be out in front of the crowd and that's what he does right and but Jamie Hewlett like thought that that was taken away from the the, the art side of it so there was a, a lot of clashes and they almost like never came back after Plastic Beach because of that because Jamie Hewlett was upset at like how big the band had become on stage and like the everything else was just a background to the music and it, it was never supposed to be that it was supposed to be almost like a 50-50 thing so i, I think this whole um, uh, song machine thing is uh, it feels more like it's a Jamie Hewlett driven thing that he's actually getting to see what to put out what his vision of everything was and it's been an incre- incredible it's incredible series of like what they've done and um i really hope that they're able to do something like that again but i just don't think they have the time <laughs> of all the albums that they've done this is probably the closest to the the first one like in the, the way the collaborations are and and stuff of like that and it, like I, I think that with plastic beach and uh, humans they kind of drifted away a little bit from what and obviously you need to change your style and grow a little bit, but like there was some of some of the stuff that was on there was a little bit kind of, I would say, out there for the original gorilla fans who just love like, you know, I know it's not all about Clint Eastwood and all all that kind of stuff. Um, but that was what people originally loved them for. And they moved fully almost away from that kind of style that they had. And I think it alienated like a lot of people. And this is kind of like a, a return to the earlier stuff and like I love it like you know like I I think um the, the original gorillas album and demon days are like two of the best albums of like the last 30 years like like demon days is an incredible album this is um, one of my favorite albums of all
0: time I'm, you've seen me post it before yeah not it's I even it's... shared it like before I took my facebook hiatus I was like see I told <laughs> you Anthony yeah. I love these guys like demon <laughs> days to me there's there's like people always talk about you know you call it the greatest album of all time, but if you skip a song, it's not the greatest album of all time. I will not skip a second oh, of Demon Days. I'll put it on and then I might hit repeat sometimes. And the beauty of Spotify is you can just let it go. You know, like Sgt. Pepper's for instance, Like you could listen to that whole thing straight through. Uh, I think with Demon Days,
1: it's the same thing. Like, like every song is a great song where, a lot of stuff now like you probably have three or four solid songs and then the rest are just like fillers right um and i i definitely think that when you listen to plastic beach and humans there's a lot of fillers on that album on those albums where this one like every song is just like this is a little bit better or is as good as the last one and you know it just kind of makes you just kind of go through the whole thing and just sit there and, and enjoy an album and i think that's um, something that we've kind of moved especially in the Spotify world like I mean like when was the last time somebody actually sat down and listened to a full album like I mean you just pick one or two songs and put it onto your playlists Um, and I think we've kind of that this, the great thing about the the vinyl revival is that people will sit down and listen to full albums again and I, I definitely I, I definitely missed that because that was always like my favorite thing about you know you sit there and you just go through it all you'd have, also have, like, the, the one or two singles that would come off it, like, before the album's released, but then there's always a couple of little bangers in there that you didn't think would be, be on there, and you're just like, fuck, that's awesome. And with Spotify and, and Apple Music and stuff like that, we've kind of moved away from that, and it's just like, you know, you just pick the, the one or two songs you know, and then the rest would just kind of gets pushed aside a little bit. So, um, yeah, man, I, 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 I honestly, I, I really hope they do come up with season two. Like, they they might do, because England's still in lockdown, right? So, um, yeah, but i went to see them live in montreal a couple of years ago and it was one of the greatest experiences of my life it was fantastic um it's it's an incredible show um and i I really hope that they tour again because they said after that tour that um they they probably won't be touring again for another 10 years and i hope that's not true so um i i'd recommend anybody go see them it was phenomenal so yeah and i also got to see uh I think it was Coy's first game for the Raptors because they played uh, like a preseason game. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Yeah, man. It was like the the next night. So I had like two good good shows to go see in uh, Montreal when I was there. So, yeah. So you were the good luck charm. Yeah. There we go. You were the lucky charm. The Irishman was the lucky charm. There we go yeah oh man he could sense me from the nosebleeds in the bell center you know so.
0: that's why he was so confused yeah, yeah. during the championship yeah. parade he was still like had that face on he was like why oh, did this happen was it that irishman in the nosebleeds yeah oh that's great anthony brother this was a blast man like i said we didn't even talk down the pub like yeah. we're gonna have to do this again brother like this was, yeah man definitely it's let I just people say, know where, oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let the people uh, know where to get at you on Instagram and stuff too, uh, bro. But yeah, be, sorry.
1: Be, before I do, I was going to say like, uh, like you're doing an incredible job with this, man. It's uh, every episode I've listened to has uh, been incredible, and uh, yeah, man, keep it up. Um, you've had some incredible guests on, and uh, yeah, man, we're all super proud of you. So, um, thanks, brother. The the new show is going to be called the Early Bath, so it's at uh, the Early Bath on Instagram, and I think there's a Twitter too. Um, I I I now have. Because we're uh, down the post is going to be on a bit of a hiatus. Uh, the account's now called at football anto, so um, you can give me a follow there. At the early bath is going to be the new show. We, uh, from, we're going to be wor- uh, working with title league and at football anto on Instagram. Um, you reach out to me if you ever want to chat about football. I'm, I'm usually always up for a, a chat about the the football. So
0: yeah, and uh, keep going with this, buddy. It's, it's great. Love it. Thank you, man. And I'm proud of you guys, too. Like, we're gonna get cheesy now at the end. Yeah, no, no, man, like, you know, it's been cool. Like I tell you all the time, you've, uh, you've motivated and inspired me to do this. And literally, like, I remember when I was like 16, 17, listening to like Jim Rome and Adam Carolla, and always joking with myself, I want to start my own podcast, I want to start my own radio show. And, you know, you you get, I, I guess the word is lethargic. You get tired of having to do all the hard work. And then you meet somebody like yourself who enjoys the hard work. And when it comes to a point where you have to do it yourself, you remember that that person didn't complain. Again, I'm proud of you guys. Looking forward to the new project, the early bath. And um, come back on the show soon, brother, so we can talk the down the oh, cup story. Definitely, man.
1: And uh, yeah, man, thanks for having me on. It's been a blast.
0: Cheers, buddy. Thanks, brother. Have a good right. one.